have a story. I get my hair cut in town at a little salon and I really love my hairstylist. She's great. She's very funny and warm. This was earlier in the year and she had her door open to the streets. There's a lot of foot traffic. Guy walked in and started talking to us. Just like, just started like mid-conversation. Like we knew what he was talking about. We all just smiled and said, I'm sorry. She turned to him and she said, thank you so much. And he walked away. And she turned back and she's like, he's a time traveler. She's like, I've decided when I have those interactions now, they're not of this time. They're from somewhere else. It doesn't even matter. That's what I think of now. I feel like I've met people who maybe know how to jump timelines. And (laughs) what makes you think that? Just the look in their eyes. (laughs) Distant, disheveled look. What are some good and bad time jumps, time loops, time travel, time whatevers? I There was one I watched this year that I liked that was very weird. It was called Tales from the Loop. It's on Amazon Ooh, Prime. Okay. It has a great past. It's about this town and there's like a physics lab and there's like this this sort of underground lab and everything's connected and you find as you go on that it it's like a portal or a time machine and and there are little stories about the people in town and how they're affected by the lab and and it's what happens in it over many generations it's a good it's a really good show one that i loved 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 was russian doll uh, oh that was a great one so different and somehow after the first couple of episodes i was like am i gonna get bored of this <laughs> but you don't it, it's clever it's about so much more her her journey to, to figure stuff out. That was that's a great show. I, but there's some that we tried that didn't really work out. Did you hear about Paper Girls? I've seen it pop up every once in a while, but we we tried it, and I don't want to tell you not to watch it. You may really enjoy it, but I felt like <laughs> the costumes look like they borrowed them from Bloomsburg High School Theater Department. <laughs> Really strangely low budget. You don't go into it thinking that, but right away you're like, but that one didn't quite work out. I hated Lost so much. I was so angry when that show was over. I thought it was such a waste of time and a mess. I thought the ending was such a shitty cop out. I felt like that about Manifest too. Oh boy, Manifest. What a mess. But it is, we should shout out Jamie McMenamin, who played one of the triplet bad guys in the last season of manifest or the season before it went on to netflix anyway bloomsburg high school graduate jamie McMenamin. really i don't yep. think i knew that also in orange is the new black yeah he played Ooh. pencil tucky's corrections officer boyfriend that's cool one that i liked a lot shane recommended it to me when i told him that i enjoyed travelers it's called continuum another canadian show yeah. And it was very short, but they gave them the chance to wrap the story up. So mm-hmm. you weren't feeling like it was lacking in that way. It's about a detective in the future who has to come back in time to address some things with a like a budding IT guy who's going to have a big 
impact in the future. What else have I been watching that has time travel? Yeah. Rick and Morty Morty setting up the rules of time travel that other shows will use going forward. A first time jumping show that I think was a little too short was called Simply Travelers. It was a series created by Brad Wright. He was the co-creator of Stargate and Stargate Atlanta, the whole Stargate universe. I'm not that familiar with it, but it was produced for Showcase, which is a Canadian channel starring Eric McCormick of Will and Grace fame. Mackenzie Porter, Nesta Cooper, Jared Abramson, Riley Dolman, Patrick Gilmore. It was broadcast from October of 2016 to December of 2018. Three seasons, 34 episodes total. It was filmed and produced in Vancouver. Besides Eric McCormick, if you watch the show, I'm not going to go through everybody's resume, but some of these actors you definitely would know on site. The premise we've heard before, time travelers in the future have to come back to prevent something terrible from happening, causing the collapse of mankind. That's what happens here. And what I very much appreciate about it is it's very clearly laid out in the first season, the rules of this universe. These travelers have had to come back to prevent population dying out. The future folks, what what do we call them? So the squad, the the squad in the future are in their future bodies. They have to come back to a host body and they have found a way to do this through an algorithm. The timing has to be just perfect because if they screw up, they could end up in a body and cause it to glitch. So it has to go exactly right. There's that uh, moment of peril where you want to know that the transfer took place cleverly for the show when a traveler comes into a body we the audience see a regular everyday joe or jane schmo interacting with their family or at work or on the street eating a hot dog then all of a sudden you can tell that they are gone and someone else is inhabiting them Um, yeah it is It's, it's good it's very effective These travelers come in and they take over the lives of their host bodies, their spouses, their children, their friends, their co-workers. They believe that person is still the guy they knew from yesterday, but it's actually this person from the future. There's also this comedic element of they're there on a serious mission, but they're fucking up all these social graces because they don't know their anniversary or their kids' teacher's name, or whatever it is. The travelers have six protocols to protect the timeline. Protocol one, the mission comes first. This creates some drama when they interpersonal relationships among the people in the lives of the host, their loyalties are competing. Protocol two, leave the future in the past. This is where it gets 
it's not that the it's not that the world doesn't make sense, but when you start trying to put language on it, it starts to sound ridiculous. <laughs> Leave the future in the past. When you're in your host body, you're in the present. You're living in that life. For example, there are two characters who in the future have a, a great love affair. In the present, they're not in each other's lives in that way, and they can't be having an affair with each other in the present. Forget about what your life is in the future. You're here on a mission. Protocol three, don't take a life, don't save a life unless otherwise directed. Do not interfere. If something's going to happen, if somebody's having a heart attack, if somebody gets hit by a bus, if some, whatever, don't be a hero. Don't try to alter what's going to happen. But also, if it's, if people are standing around and they're like, call 911, don't feel like you just have to stand there with your hands in your pockets. You can call 911. Somebody's going to call 911. Do not reproduce. <laughs> there are some challenges to this because it's a sexy show. Do not reproduce is important, not only because of the problems it can cause in the host family's life, but because it will alter the future. Protocol five, in the absence of direction, maintain your host's life. Unless someone comes to you and says, I am number 785 from the year 2077, I've been sent to tell you that you need to do this next, just continue on with the host's life until you're directed otherwise. And then protocol six, do not communicate with other known travelers outside of your team unless sanctioned by the director. The team, they all, they have a warehouse where they meet. They all have a different utility within the team. Some of them are medically trained. Some of them are tech support. Some of them have language skills, whatever it is, their own contained unit. They are not to engage with other teams. As you can imagine, some of the drama comes out of that as well. Because you don't know who is a nefarious actor. Now that I've explained all of that, I'm not going to get into the plot and everything. But basically, seasons one and two are the travelers are on their missions. They are succumbing to some of the temptations of the body, breaking the protocols, taking their will back over the what their host's body's life would be like. The third season... Some bad actors have been introduced. Now there are good guys versus bad guys, plus the travelers trying to maintain their host's lives without messing that up too much so they can complete their mission and go back to their old lives. And the other thing that's important is that a traveler can be overwritten. So if in the future the director sees that you are fucking up, they can send another traveler to overwrite you in the host body. But you right. want to prevent that from happening too. That threat is always looming. The end of season three, Eric McCormick's wife, Kat, figures out that he's not her husband. And se season three ends with all of the significant others, whether it's their parents, their kid, their wife, their whoever, realizing you're not my husband you're not my mother you're not the person what the fuck is going on that is how the fucking series ends no really yeah oh. not to blame eric mccormick because probably the only reason the show got made was because he signed on to it 
But he went and did that wet fart of a reboot and Traveler didn't come back for a season four. Well, we've talked about people are finding shows that have been off the air for a while. This one's on Netflix. It was number one after it was added to Netflix for several weeks. Maybe the circumstances will come together again, that they will come back and do a fourth season. This is one of those shows that if it's 10 years from now, I will still go back and watch a fourth season. Melissa, yes. where are all these aliens we keep hearing about? Is UFOs that have allegedly crashed all over and have non-human organic material inside, where are they? What's going on? I think they took one look at what we've done to this place. Got the hell out of here. <laughs> Change of plans. <laughs> I do wonder if anyone were trying to contact us. If it was like, we got to warn them, or if it was like, oh my gosh, they're such dopes. Maybe a little bit of both. But what do you think about time travel? The prospect, the science? I think it's fascinating. I didn't know that I was a sci-fi person until I started watching some of these time travel shows. But I really like the idea of time travel, possibility of alternate worlds or alternate timelines, which is maybe where our doppelgangers live. When you run into somebody that looks just like you or someone is certain they saw someone who could have been your sister or something. I like the idea of that. I had to take science requirement and astronomy was the one that was closest to something I thought I could stand. Now, I don't understand string theory, quantum physics, linear, some black hole, whatever. But he did have us read a couple of books, one called Flatterland, which is a sequel to a classic mathematical book called Flatland, the other one called The Fabric of Reality by David Deutsch, who's a physicist. What both of them talked about was this idea of, I'm sure this isn't the first time you've heard this, time being vertical instead of horizontal, that everything that is happening or has happened or will happen is actually happening right now. We experience it as if we're moving along a timeline, but that time actually is one slice of something. Like interstellar. Yeah, like interstellar, exactly. And one of the shows I'm going to talk about today plays with that idea of you could be in this moment and you could visit another moment. That's something I think when we have a feeling or a memory or deja vu or whatever, that's that feeling of being in more than one place at once. I don't understand the science, but uh, I'm open to learning more about a dumbed down version that I can't understand. That's what we're getting when we watch these shows, right? They make it right. for us. Even then, sometimes it's a little much. But I, that's what I, I like to think that's a possible, that there's a possibility for it. Just a couple of weeks ago, they were doing a 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. They talked to a few physicists to say, do you think time travel is possible? The consensus seemed to be time moves at different rates anyway. Let's say in a black hole, time moves slower. Or there are times that we feel like time is moving faster than other times. Yeah, the manipulation of time is possible. 
the the observation of how time moves in different circumstances is possible. So even though not a lot of credible research and science has been devoted to actually trying to build a time machine, theoretically, it is possible. What show, time travel show, do you think went too long? I chose a show called Timeless. It is a historical fiction action adventure show that also just happened to be about time travel. It was a network show. It ran on NBC from 2016 to 2018. It was actually canceled after one season, but fans of the show actually launched a really well-organized and passionate campaign. The network was convinced. They went to negotiations and the studio renewed it for 10 more episodes, but it was canceled again a year later. But then NBC ordered a two-part finale to wrap up the stories. And that premiered in 2018 in December, end of that year. I didn't actually find out about the show until this year when I found it on Hulu. It was created by Eric Kripke and Sean Ryan. Produced by Brad Van Aragon, Jim Barnes, Lana Cho, and Sean Williamson. And the showrunner was Eric Kripke. Stars Abigail Spencer, Matt Lanter, Malcolm Barrett, Patterson Joseph, Sakina Jaffrey, Claudia Dumit, and Gorin Biznich, which I just realized I've been saying his name wrong for years. So Yeah, well, I think I always called him Biznich. I think I was calling him Vajiznik. <laughs> it's Viznich. Okay. Viznich. The premise is that a former NSA asset, Garcia Flynn, played by Gorn Viznich, and a group of terrorists break into a warehouse at a tech company called Mason Industries. Inside the warehouse is a time machine, and Garcia Flynn and his fellow terrorists steal it, and they disappear somewhere into time. Preston, played by Abigail Spencer, is a professor of history and anthropology. Wyatt Logan, played by Matt Lancer, is a Delta Force soldier, and Rufus Carlin, played by Malcolm Barrett, an engineer and coder, and they are gathered and hired by Mason Industries to chase Flynn through time to try to prevent him from changing it. Lucy is chosen because she knows history and can help figure out where and when Flynn is going and why. Wyatt is chosen because he's a soldier, so he can be the brawn. And Rufus is chosen because he can learn how to fly and navigate the backup time machine and they call that the lifeboat. And that is how they chase Flynn through history. He is on a mission that seems nefarious, but he is not all that he seems. There is a person that they refer to called Rittenhouse, who is behind the funding of the time machines, but everyone seems wary to even say that name out loud. The time machines are the invention of Mason Industries CEO, Connor Mason. You learn that he discovered Rufus when he was an undergrad at MIT, and he basically paid for schooling. Sakina Jaffrey plays a Homeland Security agent who heads the time machine recovery mission. The time team, Lucy, Wyatt, Rufus, really don't know who they can trust. They are wary of both Connor and Agent Christopher, played by Sakina Jaffrey, because she's part of the government, which was aware all this time of the time machines, and obviously they weren't sharing that information. First of all, I want to say something that's important. There are a lot of Easter eggs for nerds in this show. 
The main characters' names are an homage to Bill and Ted's excellent venture. Lucy Preston, Bill S. Preston Esquire, Wyatt Logan, Ted Theodore Logan, and Rufus Carlin. Rufus was played by George Carlin in, in Bill and Ted's. Almost every time the time crew arrives in a new time and they encounter people, they introduce themselves as characters from another TV or film or pop culture reference. Like, example, hi, I'm Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Hi, I'm Lando Calrissian. Hi, I'm Taylor Swift. I didn't watch this show, Supernatural, but that was another show that Eric Kripke helmed. I read that there are a bunch of references to that show that say drop into Timeless for the super fans. So back to timeless um ultimately you find out that rittenhouse who you think is a person is not a person but a secret society like the freemasons or something even more shadowy like the illuminati with some super racist and eugenicist beliefs that is using time travel to change history and gain totalitarian control over democracy it's very dark yeah flynn discovered this about rittenhouse found out that they were funding Mason Industries inventions, the time machine specifically. Rittenhouse has Flynn's wife and daughter killed. He is driven by this vengeance to destroy all members of Rittenhouse, which he is literally like chasing them through time. It's even scarier than that because Rittenhouse has trained and installed sleeper agents through different eras, and they infiltrate the government and the military. They are the boots on the ground in the past, changing history. After the first trip back in time, they go to the Hindenburg disaster. And they all, they were like, okay, we're doing this. We're being asked to do this. Like, it's a mission for the, to protect our country's democracy, but they don't really have all the pieces of the puzzle yet, but they're just, they're being told they have to do this. It's a national security issue. But they go and they try to encounter somebody. Someone gets accidentally killed. And obviously that's one of the main rules of time travel is you don't change the past because if you do something gets fucked up in the present. After they come back from that first time jump, Lucy comes back home to find that her previously terminally ill mother is no longer sick and that her younger sister, Amy, never existed, something they did in the past permanently erase Amy from this timeline. Lucy is now motivated to continue with this mission because she believes she can ultimately get her sister back somehow. In season two, we find out many of the people that we didn't trust in season one, like Connor and Agent Christopher and Flynn are actually good guys. And the people we thought were good, like Lucy's mom, are actually the bad guys. All of the characters have very strong beliefs as real people would. And they have a lot of conversations about choice versus destiny and free will. Some of those characters change their mind about that based on what they experience in these time jumps. Lucy really believes that she is supposed to protect history because that's her job. She needs to make sure that what happened in the past still happens. Like at one point they go to Lincoln's assassination. Rufus, who is black, says, can't you prevent this? Why wouldn't you stop this when you know that you could prevent the death of someone who actually moved things forward and she says no i i can't because this is what was supposed to happen if i change this then things won't go the way that they're supposed to but as time goes on they all really find it difficult morally to watch people die every time they have to kill someone they really struggle with that they it's something they're all really affected by i don't think you see that enough on shows in the pilot episode rufus says there's literally no place in american history that will be awesome for me <laughs> and he's obviously right they do a good job about showing that and acknowledging our awful history in the dialogue throughout the series i do think they wrap things up really well they take down rittenhouse they kill off a main character 
because of some weird shit, they, they're able to bring him back. They kill off another main character and they don't bring him back. That's very bittersweet. The reason I think that it went on too long is because they were given so many opportunities to concisely tell this story. The first cancellation, the second cancellation, the two-part movie at the end. They had multiple Hail Marys. You would think that would push the writers and the creators to get to the meat of the plot. But instead, probably because it was a network show, there were major things they didn't get to explore that they directly referenced in the beginning. There's some clunky plot holes, a lot of the like bootstrap paradox where you change a thing here and it affects the past. That's the whole point of what they're doing. They're giving you that to make an allowance for that because their whole point is to go back and prevent bad people from doing things and it creates this loop and then my brain broke in half so i <laughs> but one thing i read that i thought was really interesting someone on a reddit thread said two-hour wrap-up episodes for canceled shows are designed to provide emotional resolution within character arcs plot is entirely secondary since there's no feasible way of tying so many loose ends up without enormous budget they know they can't do much action or special effects, so they focus on the various interpersonal relationship threads. So they really did do that correctly. I just think that they it, it got messy and it meandered a little bit for two seasons. It just really went off in all directions. Mm. That quote that you were saying about the, the finale, emotional, what did you say? It was from Reddit or something? There are things that you can paper over and still have a, a resolution. There are plenty of shows that ended in a way that I wouldn't have liked or I would have liked to see more involved but because it was a resolution I could accept it I think that is the danger of very complicated weaving the threads of time together kind of thing where unless you have like again the OA mapped out in advance on what is that called the wall this the murder Story wall the string wall murder board unless you've got it all mapped out on a murder board that's not a reason to not shoot for the moon it's just i i think that there's probably two camps for this particular show people that were rooting for them to come back because they were doing something a little different than what you normally show there were people who loved the ending because they wrapped up all those interpersonal stories and then there were the people that were like oh you could have given us much more in the history Ooh. department yeah i think it just depends on how you saw the show and what you liked about it. The anti-hero. I don't really recall that being such a, I don't remember that being such a thing when we were younger, watching shows and growing up with those. There were good guys and then there were bad guys. You weren't really rooting for the bad guy. When's the first time that you remember rooting for the bad guy or the bad woman? Or I'm not trying to be funny. I was jogging my memory trying to think of an early bad guy that I liked. And I thought of Gargamel because... <laughs> I always felt sad for him because I felt like he was lonely. I also like, because the Smurfs had a hundred Smurfs, but it was just Gargamel and his cat. And I liked that he had a cat. I thought he would be so bad if he has a cat. I always thought he was just lonely in his bunker. So Gargamel. And I was thinking of like the archetype, like J.R. Ewing was one of the, the real suave, charming, greasy, oily anti-hero archetype 
But the two that stand out for me that I would go to the mat for, even though it's foolhardy, would be Michael Chiklis as Vic on The Shield and Walton Goggins as Boyd Crowder in Justified. Or your anti-heroes. I don't have a long list of these, but I, I think the one that really sticks in my brain is Saul Goodman, Jimmy McGill from Better Call Saul. Not when he was in Breaking Bad his own show and they gave you the origin story and i just i love that character he was he didn't start off being a devious person but his circumstances led him to he was desperate and and he made bad choices but he was just really endearing in a lot of ways and even though that show went on way too long (laughs) i liked him i love bob odenkirk i feel like that breaking bad universe really doubled down on the villain as hero. That's true. Many of the people <clears throat> that they you see briefly or even for a while in Breaking Bad, then they show you this is how they got to be where they are. You really you feel for them. And when those people meet their demise, you feel sad. I haven't seen Better Call Saul yet. Guy Fring, is he in Better Call Saul? Gus. Yeah, is yeah. he in Better Call Saul? Yeah. He is. There's a character named Nacho. That's so good. And he's really just, it's a very sad end. But yeah, mm-hmm. Gus rings in there. And yeah, all the kingpins, all the big guys. Yeah. We're, we gravitate towards these darker shows. Is it just that TV's gotten darker? Or is it that we're just more attracted to these shows now? I think it's both. I think that TV has gotten darker because people want more. They want more, more substantial stories and more human, complicated characters. I was trying to think about what was the first show that maybe broke it open for me. Maybe I'd seen in movies, but not on TV. Is Breaking Bad. I think maybe once you experience a story like that where you really get to, like the anti-hero and you get to really see people who are flawed and failing and making bad choices and you're still rooting for them, then maybe we continue to look for stories like that. Because I know that I'm always chasing certain shows, trying to recreate the experience that I had that time. I agree. I think the same for me. The Shield is one that I I haven't watched it again since I saw it, and I don't need to. It left such an impression on me. But I think that The Shield was one of the earlier ones where everyone was saying, this guy, this anti-hero, this crazy corrupt cop, this is so dark. It's And it's riveting and I can't look away. So the same with The Wire. And there's a lot of the darkness, unless I'm misremembering, and it's very possible I am, a lot of the darkness before that would come out of a storyline that was very ed- became very edgy. But to have a whole show around that darkness was rare. And probably for good reason. Even MASH, they tried to prop it up with comedy to keep people from, you know... To make uh, it palatable. Yeah. To make it palatable to a wide audience. Maybe in that way, getting more niche, having more programs available has let some of those shows rise to the top about mash the theme song is called suicide is painless so they were uh, just knock uh, on there and it makes it like you know american audiences
Melissa, I know this is one of your top of the pops. What is the one that you think ended perfectly? Okay. There's a series called Dark on Netflix. It's a German sci-fi mystery thriller that spans multiple generations and parallel worlds. It ran from 2017 to 2020, and it was the streaming service's first German-language original series. Dark was created by Baron Bo Odar and Yancha Frische, written by Baron Bo Odar and Yancha Frische, Ronnie Schalk, Mark O. Seng, Martin Benke, Daphne Ferraro. The showrunners were Baran Bo Odar and Yancha Frische. It is an all-German cast starring Louis Hoffman, Lisa Vicari, Andreas Peachman, Maya Schoen, and Oliver Masucci. It's a German-language show. You can watch it with subtitles and or dubbing. I believe we watched, we had it with English dubbing. Dark is one of my favorite shows I've ever watched. It wasn't just me. Dark received widespread acclaim for its cast, direction, writing, tone, visuals, musical score, and the ambition and complexity of its narrative. That is a quote from somewhere. I don't know where I grabbed it. Somewhere. (laughs) Sorry. This is Maureen interrupting to say that quote is from the Wikipedia page. In 2021, the BBC ranked the series on its TV series of the 21st century at number 58. BuzzFeed named it one of the best television shows of all time, and Vulture included it on their list of one of the most notable shows of the decade. I remember seeing a screensaver trailer as it scrolled, as I scrolled through Netflix. There's an image of a kid wearing a yellow raincoat walking towards a cave, and the images reminded me a little of Stephen King's It, So I avoided it, assuming it was in the horror genre. But then lockdown happened, and we were home looking for things to watch. We gave it a shot. I'm so glad we did. It's not at all what you expect. It's beautiful and strange, and it's definitely frightening. At times, there are some actual horror elements in it. But it's also a show about connections and humanity. And at a time when it really felt like the world was unraveling in world in real time, I think that I personally was seeking out something hopeful. And that show really was that. And it really affected me deeply. It starts off following a child abduction case and how it affects and connects four families in the small fictional town of Winden, Germany, that lives in the shadow of a nuclear power plant. You begin the show thinking it's about one thing, but it just goes everywhere you don't expect. It's way bigger than any genre box you could put it in. There are three timelines or eras in Dark. 2019 to 2020 is the present day that it starts in. There's another timeline that's 1986 to 1987, and then another one from 1953 to 1954. But they expand that again, and there are some storylines that go further back into the past and further forward, including an apocalyptic future. An apocalypse is where all of the alternate worlds begin. But all of them take place in the same town and all involve the intertwining stories of the same four families, the Conwalds, the Nielsens, Dopplers, and the Tiedemans. It does get really complicated because it moves forward and backward through time. I made my own family tree of all the characters to keep things straight. And I learned later that Netflix actually provided a family tree that you could go to a website and see all the connections and make sense of it. It's no longer up. But I remember when we were watching it, I I did look at that. But I think a lot of other people did the same thing just to keep track. And then we told people about the show. And then I told them I had made my own family tree. And then they wanted my family tree so they could understand it as well. It was very interactive. All of that being said, I never felt like the story was over my head. 
It's just a lot of people to keep track of. Because the show tells the story of these families across generations, there are different actors playing the same people at various ages. There's usually the character as a child, a teenager, an adult, and sometimes as an elder in the apocalyptic future. The actors that play the teen roles are my favorite. I really felt like their particular storylines were harrowing because the stories start with them in the present day, 2019. Lewis Hoffman, who plays Jonas Conwald, will just crush you a million times. Beyond the moving performances, there are really great technical aspects. The music is perfectly creepy. We liked it enough that we looked it up, which it's a like a German ambient techno partnership between this musician and a DJ. They do a really interesting thing to differentiate between the different timelines. One way they do this is they flip the entire set. They're on opposite sides. So if the stair is on the right side of the screen in one timeline, they're on the left side of the screen in the other. The doors in in one place, it's on the opposite side. So they physically built these mirror image sets. It was not done with computers. A lot of time travel shows are about alternate worlds where you find out what would happen if you took a different path or had a different opportunity. Dark is really about how everything has to happen exactly the way it does because these families will always be connected in this big expanding loop. No matter what world they're in, it's always the same result. The show refers to an infinite chain of cause and effect. Final third season is about how when the origin of all of these alternate universes is discovered, two of the characters are at odds about how to either stop the loop and prevent all the pain that these families go through over so many decades, or do they continue the loop? Because if they don't, then these people would never exist in these worlds. Season three wrapped up a really complex story in a really heartbreaking way with some room for interpretation. It's just beautiful. And I've decided I don't want to watch it again. I just want it to live in my brain as I remember it and how it was a really bright spot in a very weird time. I tell everybody about this show and I know it's not for everyone, but I just I think if people don't give it a chance, they're missing so much. It's it's really amazing. Two things. You mentioned the techno music and a DJ. Did you mm-hmm. see the Plick School has made a little DJ turntable as one of their... <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I saw it the other day and I thought, is this satire or is this for real? You'll have to look up the commercial. It's this little kid <laughs> on a little plastic. What? Oh, what? Uh, the other thing is I hold grudges sometimes for nonsensical reasons. I did try dark and then I stopped, not because I didn't enjoy it, but I just got on to doing something else. And by the time I got back to it, 1899 had been broadcast and I was holding grudge because 1899 was awful and Netflix gave them money to make that, but they canceled the OA. And so I refused to go back and watch Dark. But I know it's not the creator's fault. They shot big and they missed. I will give Dark another chance. If you want. I'm not pushing it. I'm pushing it, but I'm not like... I'm not demanding we watch this. <laughs> I, I was excited about 1899, 1889, whatever it was. I was excited about it because it was the same creators. It seemed promising. It started off with a lot of potential. I so wanted it to work. That's why I don't want to go back to it. I don't want to watch it again. I feel like it's perfect. It exists in a place and time. I don't want to time travel backwards to see it again. <laughs> No, I get it. I get it. That's why we talk about comfort shows versus non-comfort shows. There are shows that I just want to remember as the experience of watching it 
and yeah, it being of a certain place and time versus right. one I go back to over and over and over again. But I'll tell you, I'm pa- now that Britt Marling and Zell Batman Leach are out there again doing press because of the other show they've got, Murder at the End of the World. We know now that they turned down the opportunity to do the movie, which we're very proud of them for. And they're out there talking about the OA. Maybe somebody else will give them the opportunity to finish it, but I will no longer hold it against the creators of Dark or any other Netflix series that the OA got canceled. That seems like a good trade-off. What about shows that were too above our head? Not necessarily the time travel theme, but just shows that have made me feel a little bit stupid. (laughs) At times, Succession made me feel that way. Some of the business speak billions. I had to stop watching because I just don't understand trading. That was, and also I didn't find that very compelling. And The Diplomat, which I really liked, but all the foreign relations and the political dialogue, I half the time didn't know what was going on. I still really enjoyed the show. <laughs> Those are the ones I that right off the top of my head I, I could think of. The one that I mentioned, Continuum, I liked, but it got very heavily into the jargon of manipulating the timeline and future versus past and how to travel along a particular thing. I just had to ignore that part. Orphan Black is another one which wasn't time travel, but in the beginning, the science that they were talking about was just far above my head. And some of it I just didn't care about. Season one and two are are devoted mostly to Sarah and her sisters. Of course, I really enjoy the interpersonal stuff and all of the drama and the stories going on. In season three, they get very heavily into the government uh, genetic engineering program that went into creating them and what was going wrong with the splicing and the patenting and the this and the that that was causing the mutations. And And I was like, I do not give a shit about any of this. Like, get me back on the espionage stuff going on with Allison and Donnie and people burying people in their garage and stuff. I That was way over my head and still is over my head. Yeah, it's definitely usually stuff like that. Even last night, just watching an episode of Young Sheldon, I know that it's written purposefully to do this, but Young Sheldon was explaining something to the dad. I was like, I'm laughing because I don't understand. The show that I would rewrite is only one season so far. It debuted just a few months ago, October 2023, on Netflix called Bodies. Did you watch any of that? Did you watch the whole thing? Did we talk about no, it? We texted about it. I, wa- I think I watched two episodes. I'll leave the rest to you. <laughs> Okay. Bodies is a Netflix limited, it says limited series. We'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Created by Paul Tomalin, 
based on the Bodies comic book series by Cy Spencer, starring Jacob Fortune Lloyd, Shira Haas, Amaka Okotfor, Kyle Soler, Greta Saki. Greta Saki, I didn't even recognize. Did you? I didn't realize she was in it. Tom Mothersdale, Michael Gibson, and Stephen Graham. The whole cast is actually very good. I shouldn't say it that way. It's only eight episodes. Anyway, long story short, series begins with a naked dead body showing up in the alleyway in a London neighborhood. Sergeant Sahara Hassan of the Metropolitan Police is assigned to a white supremacist rally. She's got to be heard police. And while she's there, she sees a young Asian man running and his shirt is torn and he just looks suspicious so she chases him and he leads her to this body and she calls it in and uh it seems like it's a homicide and this guy's body's just been left there then it shows over the course of four different dates throughout history starting in 1890 and up to a future date 2053 the body shows up on this specific date in this specific alley unclothed it's got what looks like a bullet wound in the eye has some hash marks tattooed on his wrist and as the series unfolds we start to see that there is a circular story going on here Stephen Graham, who plays the future, the 2053 cultural hero, because he allegedly saved a bunch of people on the day that there was a massive explosion outside of London, as Commander Mannix, that he has a hand in orchestrating all of the threads of the storylines that are connecting these detectives. Now, I have always been excited about this idea when we talked about the book Flatterland by mathematician Ian Stewart. What sparked my imagination was there was this understanding of planes of time. Like this, let's say this plane is the living room and this plane is the bedroom right above it. In Flatterland, you could be in the living room down here in 1985, and I could be up here in the bedroom in 2005, and you could come up the stairs and say hello to me and go back down the stairs. You can't live up here, but you can pop up and down, and I could pop up and down. These detectives, when they realize they're part of a case that is spanning several timelines, that they are going to leave clues for the other detectives. I think a whole series could be about that premise. That's really interesting. Instead, <laughs> what we had was just a run-of-the-mill bad guy wants world domination for no, not a compelling enough reason to kill half a million people. Not that there are many compelling reasons to kill half a million people but by the time the resolution of the story comes around it seems like what was all that for that's how i felt if i were going to rewrite this story i i think there were cool 
elements of the time travel rules. They had to be at a specific place. There was a one person in charge of the science around how the time travel worked. Those things, putting limits on how it works and why it works is always useful. That part I would keep. I thought all of the detectives were very interesting. I would have liked to see more of the how they work together to solve the mystery across these timelines versus the whole bad guy wants to have world domination, so goes back in time to become his own grandpa. Literally, the resolution is just unsatisfying. And then what's it all for? There's also a cheat because it it was advertised as a limited series, but they went back and they filmed a tag to leave it open if they want to bring it back. Oh, sneaky. I don't think, all like I said, all of the detectives in and of themselves, I felt they had really interesting stories. Like you said about Timeless, they had a good grounding in the time period where they were based. There were historical elements there. I would, and I wanted to know more about their lives and about this convention of how a a crime repeated across time loops could be solved by a murder squad who just happened to not be all at the, in the same time in the same, uh, squad room. Cause the other thing was there were two detectives that were born close enough to each other that they could have communication with each other. When Sahara was a young detective, by the time she's 50, it's another young detective. But she can talk to that detective and say, anyway, I think there were a lot of world-building things. All of the actors were so good. But the actual central storyline, I didn't care about. I felt much more connected to be satellite characters and than I did about manipulating time to just be a boring dictator. It's really interesting that the idea that they could communicate with a younger version of themselves, but just basically on their own, they figured out, I'm going to leave this here for the next person. I don't know who they are. I don't know what their life is like. I don't know what they're going to know, but I know something's weird and somebody else is gonna need this information i just thought i felt very warmly about that part anyway do they solve the murder yeah you remember at the end of the prestige when christian bale goes downstairs and there are all these cases with hugh jackman's in them it's like that Mm -hmm. What show are you recommending this week? It is a time travel show. Mm-hmm. It's called Undone. It's on Amazon Prime. Season one premiered in 2019. Season two in 2022. It was created by Kate Purdy and Raphael Bob Waksberg. And all episodes are directed by Hisko Holzing, who is an animator. This is Amazon's first adult animated original series. And it's first to use rotoscoping, which is the style of animation where the animators trace over film footage frame by frame to produce the action. You may remember that from Richard Linklater's films, Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly. 
Fun trivia, actually, about rotoscoping. Martin Scorsese used it to remove a large chunk of cocaine hanging from Neil Young's nose in the music documentary, The Last Wolf. (laughs) Very useful, as well as entertaining. This show stars Rosa Salazar, Bob Odenkirk, Angelique Cabral, Siddharth Dahanje, and Constance Marie. Rosa Salazar plays Alma who, following a near-fatal car accident, finds she can travel through time. She uses this new ability to communicate with her dead father, played by Bob Odenkirk, and helps him investigate his mysterious death 20 years prior. It's really visually interesting with the rotoscope style. And the story about time travel is almost secondary to the one about intergenerational mental health issues and how Alma figures out her heritage and how she uses these new powers to manipulate time. I don't want to say too much more. It's just a really fantastic show. I hope they decide to make a season three. Amazon hasn't said one way or another if it's coming back, but I'm hoping that now that we're on the other side of the strikes, that this is something that they'll bring back to the table because it's really a special, unique show. Mine? Okay. I'm recommending this because I'm watching it. I don't know if I like this show. Mm-hmm. I just want the other people to watch it. It's on Apple called Shining Girls with Elizabeth oh. Moss. Did you watch it? I started it. I didn't finish it. It is created by Silka Louisa based on the Shining Girls novel by Lauren Bukes, a South African writer. Stars Elizabeth Moss, Wagner Moura, Philippa Sue. Chris Chalk, Amy Brenneman, and Jamie Bell. When you see Jamie Bell, Billy Elliot, and many other things, he's a a very accomplished actor at this point, but just remembering that he started as Billy Elliot, playing this fucking psychopath, literal psychopath, it is chilling. We're six episodes into it. There's eight episodes. I will tell you that it was... The end of episode five, when I finally went, oh, okay, (laughs) over my head. But because I like the cast and because it was different, I was thinking, I'm going to hang in there. Finally, some of the pieces started to come together. But I will say, and spoiler for anyone who doesn't want to know, I did look up after watching the second episode, is there a time travel element to this? Because Mm -hmm. you don't know until episode six that for sure that's what's going on. And it is such a mind fog. Without knowing that, I would have given up on it. What I remember, yeah. Oh my God, it is exhausting. But I'm hoping, seeing now where it's headed, that there's only a couple of episodes left, that it's going to be a satisfying conclusion. The whole thing uh, is up now. It was released beginning of 2022. Anyway, that is one that fits the time travel, the over my head, and the frustrating. Just checks all those boxes for you. (laughs) But is it coming back? Do you know? It's based on this novel. It was just a one and done. Gotcha. I really appreciate those kind of shows. They tell a full story. They give you everything. It sticks to the book. It's satisfying and it's not a big commitment. Yeah, I agree. It was a nice surprise that Philippa Sue, you think that she only has a little part, but she has a bigger part than you thought as the show progresses. 
Lorian, what charity have you chosen this week? One thing that slips my mind when I'm thinking about organizations that need funds to keep going is unfortunately investigative journalism. Mm. Back in the day when we were youngins, not just uh, news organizations, public policy organizations and think tanks would invest money in, in an effort to, yes, sometimes corroborate their own points of view and agendas, but usually to actually investigate. There are some excellent organizations uh, that are doing investigative journalism that deserve and need public support because those funds have been cut across the board as media shrinks and shrinks under fewer umbrellas. One of these organizations that I think is doing very good work is called Civil Eats. Mm -hmm. Their website, Civil Eats, C-I-V-I-L-E-A-T-S dot com. They are a journalistic organization that writes about food policy, farming, health and environmental concerns. Their advisory board is composed of writers and educators, as well as farmers, as well as food policy analysts, as well as scientists and researchers, as well as labor rights activists. So a lot of voices represented and a lot of topical, interesting journalism going on about the food that we eat, where it comes from, and how to make a more equitable food policy for the world and our country in particular. I follow them on Instagram. It's a really great informative page. Absolutely. I'm always surprised and interested in when I get the newsletter, what they're talking about that week. I often get sucked in to clicking through the newsletter when I have something else on the agenda because so much of it is important, well-written, well-researched, and excellent work that they're doing. CivilEats.com, kick them five bucks. If you are a time traveler, uh, you can go into the future and let us know what food policy and food waste looks like 10 years, 20 years from now. (laughs) Good one. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Share your endings with us at retconnection.com or on Instagram at retconnection.